Sweet sounds of Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Takes you back, doesn't it? Oh, it yeah. does. It doesn't for me. I've never seen Top Gun. Oh, shut up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back to the 421. Yeah, I'm thanks Ryan. For, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jimmy. Are we doing a round robin thing? We are. Yeah, we're okay. right now. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that roll call's complete. And if I was an animal, I'd be a... <laughs> okay. How are you guys going? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, Yourself? Cool. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Sounds sweet. Paul? How good. you doing? I'm all right. I'm okay. Yeah, yep. that's, that's it. Nothing really to report. Fantastic. Who have we got on today? Man, today we're um, speaking with Rich Thompson, who is uh, part of the MAF, which stands for... Mission Aviation Fellowship. Thank you, I'm glad you And did. other fun facts that we can throw out. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, Paul just taught me a new acronym. What was that one? Oh, TLA. Yeah, TLA. What, can you share yeah, with us what that would, one is? No, it won't be funny now. <laughs> Just the moment's passed. <laughs> it wasn't funny before. It wasn't funny. I think you're putting too much credit on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. <laughs> now you're going to leave it hanging? Yeah, I'll okay, worry about that one. All right, let's talk about flights. <laughs> Who's been on a plane before? Yeah. 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 Everyone's been on planes now. It's, uh, right. yeah, it's Do you remember yeah, your first yeah. flight? Uh, oh, rough, not, not really well, but a little bit, yeah. Oh, my first flight was to L.A., Oh man, that's an epic first flight. How old were you? <laughs> yeah, you took about uh, like ease yourself in. Yeah, right? like, you don't dip your toes in the water, do you? <laughs> no, sir. I was going to go to the moon, but <laughs> they were full. But um, no, it was to LA, and maybe ten seconds after takeoff, yeah, the um, maybe fifteen seconds or something, the plane hit a pocket of dead air and just fell out of the sky to the point where everyone was weightless for like I don't know, like one second, which Sweet. doesn't sound like long. But it's ages. No, that sounds terrifying. And, well, no, it was the first time I've been on a plane. I assumed that's what just normal ascent <laughs> yeah, was true, like. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> so it was rad. You're like, why on earth would I do this regularly? Yeah. Everyone else is like, oh, what the? I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> cool, this is good. Yep. So we're still in the air. Yeah. Sounds good. What's, yeah. what's, what's the worst flight you've been on? Oh, I went to Vietnam for my honeymoon, and my wife and I were flying from maybe Hanoi down to uh, Ho Chi Minh City. You're just making this up now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just making up words. And uh, yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty rough. Yeah. You know how like when you're on a flight and you don't really know what time it is anymore and you, whether you've slept and haven't and whether you need to sleep and all that. And I, was, I remember I was exhausted and it was a heaps undersold flight. So we actually were able to just get a row you know, oh, everybody oh, just had their row. own row. That is the absolute best. Yeah, love it was amazing. So I had my row. I had it all nice and comfy. I'd, I'd, I'd commandeered a couple of blankets and pillows. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting pretty. I had a row of five once. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm sort of lying down and I'm, I'm a terrible sleeper. Even just at the best of times, I'm no, I didn't sleep through the night till I was like nine years old. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm a rubbish sleeper. But um, anyway, so I was trying to sleep and I was, I was pretty exhausted and I was, ah, that moment I was, I could feel it, it's happening, I'm about mm. to doze off mm. and all of a sudden, fingernails in my leg from the row in front of me and I jumped up and it's because it was my wife and she, it, it, there was a, bit, a little bit of turbulence and she's like, can you come and sit with me? Oh, no. not, you can't do much about I just lost my though. whole row yeah. and went and sat next to her and you know what, within about... Two and a half minutes of me sitting next to her, she's out to it. Yeah, and what are and you I'm gonna, just sitting there. And what are you going to do anyway? You're not going to go and knock on the cockpit and go, guys, let me have a crack at this. Yeah, guys. <laughs> I mean, look, what can guys, you do? Can you take the smooth path, please? Yeah, yeah. you may as well just stay asleep. Yeah, yeah. But, but my wife's actually quite scared of flights. Yep. It's actually, it's interesting. That's it's a pretty big fear of people. And you can't away. protect her on, like, if you crash. I can't do anything. Mm. No. I don't like, understand the fear of flights, though, because it's, it's such an abstract concept that I just can't understand how you can be afraid of it. Yeah, because I don't even understand how it works. No, it's, exactly. Like, you've got a massive. Dirty ass plane, a huge chunk of metal. Yeah, yeah, and it's just flying. Like, yeah, how, yeah. Do, how on earth does that happen? Yeah, it's kind of like being well, afraid. Well, more to of- the point, how should? Why would you not be scared of that? Hmm. 
I don't know. I think it's just it's it. such an abstract concept that you're just yeah. like, oh, most I don't understand this. I'll just go with yeah, it. Yeah, I just think most because I don't understand, I, like I've got I've got no real logic to to not to, to be scared of them because I just don't get it. It's a bubble. Yeah. To be have afraid. you guys ever jumped out of a plane? No. Sure have, yep. No. Yeah, yep. that's scary. Yeah. Getting yeah. out scary. Staying in, it's not scary. Yeah. No, actually, you know what? <laughs> that's probably the scariest actual flight I've ever been on because those planes are oh, terrible. They're like taped up with gaffer tape. I'm sure and- that there, there, there were bolts flying out. I mean, oh. I'm probably just imagining it now, but I'm sure there were fl- like bolts flying out everywhere. Actually, one time that I skydived, the um, plane was pretty empty. Yeah. And um, some of the guys were mucking around in there and pretending to throw like stuff out of the plane. Oh, yeah. So the pilot... Put it into um, in it into like put the plane into a bit of a dive, <laughs> nice. so that everyone was weightless for like a few seconds, and then like one <laughs> dude's almost almost fell out the door. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, that'll learn him. <laughs> one of the, one of the craziest flights I was on was actually an MAF flight. So my parents, oh, right. yeah, my parents and my family went over to uh, West Papua. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is when I was kicking a, a literally kicking a pig skin around. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Pig's, pig's oh, bladder. And uh, so we get we're getting on MAF planes because yeah. that was the only way to get around to all these villages because they're just mountainous villages and that had a a runway and so you get onto these planes but often the villagers would often need to transport yeah all of their belongings bits and pieces yeah. which often included chickens pigs yeah right to get a pig in the in the hull of a of a math plane you because yeah. these are little cessna planes mm. you'd have to anesthetize it yeah which involves just hitting it over the head with a hammer yes <gasps> Yes. The really? problem, like, seriously? Yeah, for reals. Oh, that's the problem. So that's, like, comes, that's like 18th century surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like on the on the movies. Like if you punch someone in the head on a movie, they definitely go unconscious every time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I don't think that's how you do it at, ho- at like at work. You don't do it that way, right? Uh, occasionally, but yeah. but not we try not that's to. That's just the we patient's try not to. <laughs> 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 no, okay, so here's the thing. It works. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, for sure, yeah. The problem comes when the pig wakes up mid-flight <laughs> and starts like just going for it. And you've got a little tiny Cessna, which is getting flung around the sky because you've got a gigantic boar hanging out in the back of the plane. It sounds like a slapstick movie. Like I'm just picturing everybody running from one end of the plane to the other end and and, and the plane kind of changing weight, sort of height as people are running along. What's more annoying, an airborne hog or a whinging toddler? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say the whinging toddler is just grating on your nerves, but the airborne... Oh, it starts that way. Airborne (laughs) hog... You literally start scaring, like freaking out for your life and oh, really? throwing up into a bag. Yeah. Well, you look at the it's... cage and go, mm, it doesn't look that strong. <laughs> <laughs> no, because this is underneath you. Because you're in a tiny little plane that only fits like five, oh, six yeah. people. So, like, you're freaking out because this whole plane is shaking. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but that was pretty cool. I've never, I've never been on a plane Actually, with a pig before. Nah, yeah, you wanted. To... Oh, I, might, I mean, I might have eaten bacon on, on a plane. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. A friend of mine was on a on a uh, about to um, take off on a flight, and um, it was screaming down the runway, yeah. and then. Locked up the brakes. Oh man! And uh, came to like a screeching halt. And my friend was already frightened of flying, so he was already on Valium and all sorts of stuff. Wow! And he um and they said, oh, we just had a light on that said that the door wasn't closed really, so we'll just check that out and uh, have another go. <laughs> we'll taxi round. And- I love I love how calm they always <laughs> are. Too Pilots calm. are like, yeah, we've just lost all our engines yeah. and uh, we're cruising at six thousand yeah. feet. We are actually and, dying. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's been nice knowing you. Death is imminent. <laughs> <laughs> Flying's a pretty common fear, though, isn't it? No. Nah. Most people are not scared of flying. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, no, but I would think if you had Are to- you scared of it? Okay, if, Are you scared if of we're it? playing Family Feud- Yeah. <laughs> and we've surveyed yeah. 100 people, yeah, and the top, yeah. answers, the top eight answers are on the board. One of- Let's do a 4 2 one. I'm telling you, you right- do four, two, one We'll do a 4 two, one Family Feud. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'll do that. I'm already there. Done. All right. It's get, one of my favourite shows. Anyway, get there, get Hugh. So the top out. eight answers are on the board. I'm telling you, flying would be one. If it said, name- No, 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 no. Name no. a really common phobia or fear. No, number one. Spiders. Public speaking. It won't be number one, but it's in top eight. People won't think of that on the fly, though. When they're getting interviewed, they go spiders, snakes. Yeah, no, that's why flying would make it. It'd be in the top eight. Heights, flying. It's a heights thing. No well, one will say dying. Let's survey 100 people and we'll be. get back to the 421 right. with the results. Tune in next week. Uh, okay, with all of that being said, let's um, invite our new guest onto the show. Yeah, Rich let's Thompson. find out if he's scared of flying. I hope not. Uh, he probably isn't. He'd probably go and get a new job. Well, we can ask him. All I right. Guess. He's Sounds sitting good. right next well, to us after so all. So uh, let's introduce Rich Thompson. Hey, Rich, welcome to 421. Thank you, sir. So, uh, we've been talking about flying, talking yeah. about aviation, but now we've got our aviation expert. Oh, yeah. Here. That's me. Yeah. A lot yeah. of pressure on you yeah. right now. Yeah. So, you work for MAF. Yeah. Matt, Mission Aviation Fellowship. Yeah. Mission Aviation. Who are they? What do they do? Yeah, sure. So, I didn't even know about these guys four yeah. years ago. Never heard of them before. Actually, stumbled across them three years ago, actually. And, uh, which is funny because they're one of the most established charity organizations out there. Yeah. They're. Potentially one of the biggest two in terms of the spread around the world. So they're in 25 countries around the world, got a whole ton of staff, and they, as I was saying before, they actually fly into more destinations than the top seven airlines combined. Oh, wow. So they fly into wow. a lot of places. So that's the top seven combined. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot. I mean, we're, the destinations we're talking about look like cricket pitches from a distance. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. they're tiny little strips cut onto the side of mountains. But look, it's like I said, I hadn't heard of it. But as I kind of discovered, I was like, gee, this is an incredible organization. What's happening here? Like, like isolation for us is is not really a problem. We don't get it. But what these planes do for people in cutoff and remote areas is really transform their whole existence. Mm. So if you think about it, if you're in a village, this is this is what they do. If you're in a village and you're surrounded by mountains and you get sick, oh, you're yeah. gone. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Or let me put it this way: if your wife who's pregnant oh, suddenly something happens to her, mm. what do you do? That's terrifying. You freak out. Now their option is to carry them sometimes for days. In fact, quite often, kind of three, four, five days through the bush on a stretcher. And so they've got to get three buddies. They put the wife on there and they go. They walk for a full day sleep somewhere up at the crack of dawn and off they go again the whole time she's screaming she's in pain in in and out of consciousness and quite often they don't make it they die wow oh my gosh. so that's that's what happens this is the reality for these people now all of a sudden the village here is actually we have an opportunity to build an airstrip um so they find the ground they build this airstrip and all of a sudden a plane can get in so what that brings in is not just the ability to put that pregnant woman on the plane and get them out to the hospital yeah so you're, t- you're talking about turning kind of a three days into a 20 minute flight right yeah. so it's yeah it's a game changer revolutionary but all of a sudden they can bring in teachers they can bring in uh <laughs> i went to this one village in papua new guinea it was amazing flew in like quite literally looked like a cricket pitch and it was on the side of a mountain and I was actually, I couldn't see where it was we were landing and the pilot was saying to me over the headset, okay, that's it, we're coming in, we're coming in. I'm like, where? I said, <laughs> where is it? And as we got closer, I could say, okay, I can, I think I can see like a hut or two. And anyway, we, um, 
landed and I got out and a, and a principal came up to me. There's a whole bunch of school kids. And he, he's like pointing to this building. He says, see the building, see the building. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down. What's, what's <laughs> he took me up to the building. He showed me around. He said, this has changed our community. He said, this, the, uh, our tribe and the tribe just over the hill, we used to fight. They used to kill each other. They used to be like mm. it used to be before. And he said, there's peace now. There's peace. This building, the education that we're able to give the kids is changing this community. And I was like, wow. oh, cool, man. That's really cool. He goes, bah, bah, bah. You need to understand that every, because I was asking him, how does math help your community? Mm. He's yeah. like, you need to understand that every part of this school building, from the roof to the smallest nail, mm. came in on one of your planes. Oh, Not wow. only Crazy. that. Yeah. Well, on a little Cessna. Yeah. Oh, they have twin otters over there, which are bigger. But um, he's like, not only that, but the teachers, they bring in teachers from Mount Hargan, you know, a bigger city. They bring them in, uh, the books, the pencils, everything for a mm. kid's education and all. And it's not just education for education's sake. It's changing the whole community. It's incredible. So wow. it, to sum up what MAF does, or MAF does, it's actually very difficult because it's so vast and every country has different needs and the aircraft meets different needs in different countries. And we can talk about that some more later. But really what they're all about is transformation. Yeah, wow. So that, um, that sounds really expensive. How, do, how, does, yeah. how, does, that just, get, how just, does that get funded? I mean, I'm just thinking like you, you're flying in a school. Yeah, yeah, it's like, extremely expensive, and and this is a, this is a non profit. Yeah, so where how does this happen? Where where does this money come from? Yeah, so uh, uh, can I can I go one step back and just yeah, talk about sure. how it got yeah, started? Yeah. So um, because I think that'll answer that question as well. It was birthed out of World War Two. Mm. So you have these Air Force pilots who forced into the situation of having to use planes for death and destruction, yeah. really mm. bombing and you know strafing people and all this sort yeah. of stuff. And a lot of these Christians Air Force pilots were young; they're in their young twenties. And they finished, and it was interesting. It's a God thing, right? Because the exact same thoughts were happening in a whole bunch of Christian pilots in the UK, in New Zealand, in Australia, and in the US. All mm-hmm. at the same time, these guys didn't even know each other. And all at the same time, they built these little um, organizations, charity organizations, Christian mission organizations. And they thought, let's use planes to fly missionaries mm. into the parts of the world that no one else can get to. You might have heard of Nate Saint. He's a famous pilot in America who got mm. martyred. Yeah. He landed yep. and, yeah, got martyred. I was in uh, South America, like Amazon area. That's right, yeah. 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 So yeah, he, wow. was, he was one of those guys. Yeah. So real kind of like adventurous stuff. But anyway, part of kind of funding it was that they had to start going to people and say, look, this is the vision. And it was a completely new vision for these guys. But they, what they did is got churches behind them. Look, if you pay for this, what we're able to do is fuel the flight, you know, fix the plane and get it over there. Mm. These days, that's still what happens. There's a whole bunch of faithful donors out mm. there that fund it. But also often um, the government will pay for a chunk of the flight or um, the passengers will also pay for a little bit of a flight. Awesome. It's, so what's your role in MAF? Yeah, so I don't like flying, actually. Oh, <laughs> really? I've got zero interest in being so we, a pilot. We brought you in as an aviation expert and <laughs> yeah. now you're dropping this yeah. off. I, I know nothing about planes. Yeah, told you're, you're, I told you to be on the board. You're the worst <laughs> avionics es- expert in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the worst thing about these Cessnas is they have one engine. I don't mind flying when there's two engines. Mm. And you know, if one of them goes mm. out, it's okay. Hedging your bets. Like I was once in East Timor and the guy was flying along and I was like what happens I asked the question it was my first flight what happens if that thing goes out what do we do he's like it's okay it's okay because well, I'm always scanning looking for a place where I can glide <laughs> doesn't that make you feel worse yeah. though that he's, he's already got coming up with backup plans yeah, like, as you're flying exactly. imagine every time you drove your car you were looking for a, like a safety ramp because your brakes yeah, could go at any somewhere moment somewhere where I can yeah. roll my car a, safely yeah, a exactly. soft tree that I can run into <laughs> <laughs> you're basically planning crashing 
Yeah. Always. So, yeah. so you obviously you don't fly. Yeah. So, so I'm a comms person. So okay. my job is, uh, sometimes I think I've got the greatest job. My job is essentially to go into these areas, into the, the countries that they serve. They serve in 25 countries around the world. I look after Asia Pacific. I go in with a camera. I find the stories. I find out who's been helped by these planes. Mm-hmm. And I take photos, take video, and I come back and I put together collateral to tell the story and try and make people more aware of it. Awesome. So you mentioned that you work in a whole bunch of different um, countries and you're specifically in, in the Asia Pacific region. Yeah. Um, where else is MAF? Oh going? man. Okay. So in Asia Pacific, the countries I look after are Bangladesh, East Timor, Papua New Guinea. I look after Arnhem Land as well. We've got a whole thing happening up there in Arnhem Land, which wow. is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. We just kicked up a thing in Nepal post um, earthquake as well. Uh, and then we look after... Oh, man, we're all throughout Africa, uh, South America. Uh, it's, it's all over the world, yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow. Mongolia. We look after Mongolia, and that's going to be my next um, wow. service call. Try the land. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So tell us some stories from, uh, from some of your travels. Yeah. Well, what, um, what countries have you been to, I guess? Yeah. So I'll start with Bangladesh, because I reckon that's a fascinating country. It's a Muslim country and you've got a Christian organization in a Muslim country. Yeah. So that in itself already is kind of, there's a bit of tension in the air, right? Um, But MF is really well loved. Um, But their mission there is not so much telling, it's not so much, here, let me pull out my Bible and tell you about Jesus. It's more like, let me show you, demonstrate the love of Jesus to these, um, you know, to these people. When I was over there, it was right in flood season. Now, you guys, I don't know how you feel about climate change. I don't know if you're skeptics. I have no opinion. No opinion? No. Okay. I'm not intelligent enough to, to know what's going on, but stuff changes. And we probably have an influence on stuff changing. Yeah. We're certainly no experts on anything. I think we've, we've already established <laughs> that. That was, actually, that was actually the only um, prerequisite to getting this position on the 421 was not knowing Don't anything be. about anything. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank yeah, you. That's right. I have no yeah. position on anything. So you feel free to go down whichever, whatever yeah, path sure. you're Well, you're, the thing about climate change, I, I don't know how, well, I didn't know how I felt about climate change, mm. right? Because we don't really, apart from the days sort of being hotter, yeah, maybe, and and, and know, I've seen a couple like of docos about Antarctica. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And I mean, shelves. I've heard that like something like ninety something percent of scientists think that climate change is real. So mm, probably real. Probably real. Yeah, they're all smart. So <laughs> anyway, Bangladesh is really interesting because it sits just above. They call it the ground zero for climate change mm. because it sits just above sea level. That's like the Netherlands as well. Oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So any any small change in the water, Bangladesh is one of the first countries to mm. feel. And it's mainly South Bangladesh. And so we took a flight. In Bangladesh, they have a float plane because it's all water. Yeah. And man, it's tragic what's happening down there. Absolutely tragic because homes are being swept away. Like they're just, oh, yeah, they're just saw, losing land. Actually, I saw yeah. a documentary on this. The whole place is just basically flooded yeah. all the time. Not all the time, but especially... It's getting worse. There's wet seasons and mm. dry seasons. Mm. And the wet season's coming up and it's getting a lot worse. <laughs> uh, it happens really quickly over the space of almost a day or two days when the waters rise. And I was lucky uh, maybe enough to be there when it was happening. Mm. And I saw a train of cows that looked like they were swimming. Whoa. And I was like, what's, what's going on down there? This is us talking to the pilot. He's like, if you had been here this morning, you would have probably seen a bit of grass, but the water's rising. Those cows are trapped. I was like, well, what's going to happen to them? Oh, they're, they'll drown. They're drowned. Yeah. yeah. And as we got closer, you know, you see these poor cows. They're just like, 
you know, it's it's amazing. It looks like a river. You don't mm. think, oh, that was a farm yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it's incredible what's happening. Now, that's cows, but you're talking also about people. Yeah, and, that's their yeah. whole livelihood, right? Yeah, like, if yeah. we lost a cow, you go, oh, whatever. Yeah. But if they lose one, that's the whole livelihood for oh, the family. Right? And, and what happens over there as well is they're heaps exposed to, like, um, what are the, what's the storms called? Tsunamis. Tsunamis. Yeah. Tsunamis and kind of cyclones. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one thing MAF does is when a natural disaster comes in, you've got roads gone, cut off, but a plane will go over and um, bridge that gap. The pilot was telling me in the disaster in 2009 or 10 or something like that, he flew in and um, he was they were delivering food, getting food out of the plane. Yep. He would go back, get some more, come back and all that sort of stuff. They land and what they do is they land on the water and then throw the anchor out onto the um, ground and then they'll pull themselves closer and all that sort of stuff and then hand the food out. Mm. He said this one lady came up to her and was just like distraught. She didn't know what to – she just didn't know what to do with herself. And uh, she she said – he's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she started saying how the, the water came up so quickly for her and she had um, – she had two children mm. in both her arms wow. and it got to the point where the water started rushing so hard and she was able to get to a tree and there was a branch and she, I don't know how the mechanics of how it worked, but she could basically put one kid up on the tree, yeah. but the other one was going to be swept away oh, and she had this goodness. decision to make. And um, so he just kind of come across her after this event had happened yeah. and she had basically had to let go of one of her children. Oh, man. And this, these are the kind of like full-on like real gritty stories that are happening. You know, you just can't imagine having to be in that situation of like, yeah. what do you do with yeah. your kids or which kid, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about water down there uh, in Bangladesh. Um, uh, you know, they got so much water and sadly most of it's dirty. And yeah. so, you know... Yeah. It's not, not so, useful. No. Maths, maths yeah. rolls really in relief efforts in the floods and that sort yeah. of stuff in Bangladesh, in Bangladesh. And that's where they're... Yeah. So where else have you been? Yeah. So um, just came back from uh, East Timor, Timor-Leste. And um, what, what sort of needs do they have there? Yeah. So they're mostly about um, medivacs over there. I sat in on medivac just recently. I mean, there's some full-on medivacs, mostly pregnant women yeah. that happen. Sometimes the ladies will give birth on the aircraft, you know, because oh, it's usually like right at that kind of tipping point. Uh, I sat in on one where a lady had just given birth to twins and, you know, it's just this life and death stuff. They had hooked her up to a bag of blood, but there was only one bag of blood in this community uh, and it was running out. Wow. And they had, to, they had to get her into the hospital in Dilly to hook up the next yeah. bag of blood. I don't really know much about it. Basically... The clock was ticking. Yeah, you got to yeah. move quick. Yeah, you got to move quick. Yeah, and uh, you really feel the kind of adrenaline rush uh, as it goes. And and um, so this is a lady. She was twenty seven or something like that, but she looked much, she looked very haggard. Poor wow. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you know they like put her on the floor of the aircraft, strap yeah. her in, and off you go as quick as you can. That's crazy. Yeah. There's an ambulance waiting at Dilly to pick her up and take her off to the hospital. And so they do a lot of that stuff. Uh, I was also there. To I suppose this is the power of MAF in Timor and in a lot of places. So the MAF partners yeah. with 2,000 organizations worldwide. So organizations like World Vision, Save the Children, Caritas, all mm. that sort of stuff. In fact, I was just doing a thing today where we were looking at, I think MAF is about kind of maximizing the money that people give to charities. Yeah. So you give your don- donor dollar to World Vision 
thinking, okay, they're going to get into a community with some clean water or something like Mm -hmm. that, right? What we do is get them there very quick. So quicker than if they had to walk or drive if they can or take some other transport. So we get them there basically a whole day quicker, sometimes two days quicker, uh, which means they, you know, over the time they are able to be far more effective. Yeah. Um, so I was there with, uh, this is a couple of weeks ago, I was there to, um, kind of document as MAF was flying in a whole bunch of eye surgeons into this small village called Akusi and they go into the village, uh, a week before and they tell everyone, if you've got an eye problem, come to the local hospital thing mm. next yeah. week because we're going to bring in some eye surgeons mm. and it's packed with yeah, people. I <laughs> yeah, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. And most of these people are blind because cataracts are a massive problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you have these old people being led by a stick by a little kid. Gee, and and yeah. what I found out, which is pretty sad, I mean, these old people, they have to get around some way. So they take the kid, the grandkid, out yeah. of school and it becomes yeah. the like full-time, guide. full-time guide. Wow. And so anyway, it's a cataract, mm. right? I mean, Ryan, you'd know, it's mm. a very simple operation. Something mm. that, you know, you barely bat an eyelid over. <laughs> um, yeah. Very, very kind of quick and easy. And so what happens is they kind of spec them out. They so I was there for a couple of days to watch all this happen. Yeah. They inspect their eyes. They take them into the surgery. It's 20 minutes. They're out. The next day, vision restored. Man, that must be amazing, amazing to be, watch. They've been blind all their life. Somehow. Yeah, well, so, but the cataracts develop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Over time. Mm. So I met a guy. I followed one particular guy. I was really interested in this one guy. He was a 27-year-old, so he's close to our age. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. And it was a really interesting story. And he was it was through a translator, so it was hard to get. But basically, he said two years ago, he was working on his home, and he felt like something fell in his eye. And he and just got worse and worse and worse. He's like, oh, no, this thing's scratching my eye. And then he went blind in this oh, eye. No. And then he went blind in the other eye. Oh. And he was like, this is not good. So basically, he can no longer read. Yeah. He can't write. He can't drive. He's forced to walk everywhere. He lives by himself, cooks for himself. And he was saying that holding on to a job is extremely oh. difficult. Bear in mind, there's no disability pension here. If mm. you don't work, mm. you don't eat. So he, you got this poor guy, uh, this poor blind guy, like, you know, basically fumbling his way through life. What had happened was it was a uh, cataract that had developed and apparently cataracts kind of make work their way in like a circle. And so they take a long, long time to develop, but it's not only until at the very end that it kind of closes in over uh. your eye. So it happens quite quickly. Anyway, his name is Jose. And I kind of became friends with this guy, Jose. And he went in, he was scared as can be as they injected the um, (laughs) eye blocker into the eye. I was scared too, filming it. I was like, don't do that to him. (laughs) (laughs) They took him in. They don't put you under. So the guy's like watching the (laughs) operation. That's the only operation that you can't not watch, right? Is he not really watching it? He wasn't really watching because he's blind, wasn't he? Well, that's true. It was fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like really blurry apparently. But anyway, um, they cut it out, put a patch over him. The next day... I saw a pitch. Uh, I, I saw him. Man, the smile on his face. He's got his eyesight back. That's so yeah. amazing. Not only yeah. does he have his eyesight back, he's got his, got his whole life, whole back. life back. Yeah. So you're there to really capture those moments yeah. and capture that sort of work. Yeah. Beca- as it's happening, because the reason I'm there, even though they're not pilots, and if you speak to them, they're the first to say this. Because of MAF, they get there a day earlier. 
and they can stay a day longer. Mm. So they get two days on Makes either a side. Big, big, big difference. It's yeah. 60 people. That's 30 people a day they can work on, yeah. wow. these two uh, eye surgeons, along with all the other stuff that's happening. Mm. But it's actually 60 extra people that receive their eyesight because of the convenience, I suppose, that MAF provides yeah. them. So it's kind of moments like that. You drill down into Jose and you think, that's 60 Jose's, you know, yeah. people yeah. just like that. And for me, the coolest, um, for me, the coolest bit was watching the kids who have been carrying their grandparents around be free. Yeah. yeah. And they can drop the stick and they can go back to school. Yeah, that's mm. amazing. Oh, it's a full community transformation that's taking yeah. place. Yeah. Amazing. So obviously we've had, um, well, we had the big earthquake, sorry, happen in Nepal mm. and you were involved in getting over there to help out. Yeah. I reckon that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, really? I reckon. So the earthquake happened. We, d- we don't operate in Nepal. Yeah, but the earthquake happened, and as you know, destroyed like bang. Yeah, like, yeah. just because the way they build their houses over there is like stone on stone with no mortar. Wow, you shake that, it's crumbles, and they're big stones. They fall on you. You're, you're gone. You're yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it happened. It crashed, and then you're talking about the Himalayas. You're talking about yeah. very, very remote places, but they're not big enough to put a plane in there. There's no it's so hilly you can't have yeah, airstrips. Yeah. 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 So what MAF did is said, look, we have a whole disaster response team, logistical experts Mm. in this exact thing. Every Mm. time there's a disaster, we'll go in. We've got the logistics ready to go. And so what they did is they went up to a um, helicopter company that normally does tourism flights, one of the bigger ones, and said, right, we want to book you for the next two months. Wow. We'll pay for all these flights. Mm. We'll get the British government funded some and then MAF donors just poured the money in for this. It was awesome to see. We'll pay for this. We want all your pilots and all your helicopters every day. Mm. Wow. And they were doing 10-hour days of like <laughs> just just nuts flying, flying in bags of, you know, like massive loads of food, flying yeah. in shelter, tents. It was incredible. So anyway, about two months after the earthquake hit, they wanted to tell the story of what's going on. Mm. So I got the call up, which was awesome. Right. Um, they said, but we don't want to just, we don't want you to just go on some helicopter flights and say what we want to do is take you up to the top of the Himalayas with one of the organizations we fly wow. we're going to leave you there and you're going to walk down oh, over wow. three or four days so how much training did oh you really do? zero <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how much weight did you lose yeah. it's downhill you don't need to train downhill uh, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. you're the experts so. yeah. I didn't know <laughs> uh, I guess yeah it's true in some ways. If it was uphill, I would have yeah. been starved. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, but falling cool. downhill is much worse. If you <laughs> try. I don't know. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, anyway, it was a great experience. So, so I was there for two weeks and this was five of the days. It took me up and it was all up to 12,700 feet, which is quite a long, quite high yeah. when you're not acclimatized at all. Yeah, yeah. the air's like super you, thin. You got to take oxygen yeah, up there. Thin. Yeah, we didn't. Okay. And I didn't it's find risky. out till afterwards, <laughs> yeah, how risky that was. And Did actually, you get nosebleeds? No, I was completely fine. I got out and I felt dizzy and yeah. I, I walked up the step and I was like, yeah, I, I need a rest. Like, yeah. <laughs> take <them> one step. <laughs> Once <laughs> you're up, all of a sudden you're Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Once you're up above like 10,000 feet, you got to do a little oxygen. Yeah, well. well we apparently didn't. you don't. Yeah, well, you'll survive. But you sleep so well, man. Because it's like, <laughs> that's called unconscious. It's a coma. It's a coma. <laughs> but anyway, it's remarkable. I, I, I trekked down with this remarkable man who runs this organization. What they're doing is they're all about kind of uh, caring for these communities and building relationships with these communities. And um, 
it was really cool. So it was really cool to see as we walked into communities and being greeted. Yeah, oh, hello, it's this guy, you know. Mm. Their long-term plan is to be able to plant churches in this place. But you have to remember this is like really like... It's like real, in its infancy at the moment. Yeah, and really antagonistic towards yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Buddhism is yeah um, right okay. It's it's so deeply entrenched yeah. in, in their culture and their heritage that I think yeah it is a very strong uphill battle. Mm. It's a peaceful religion to a point I think where they don't mind Christians in there. It's actually illegal to change your religion. Wow! And so because of that, it's I think it's illegal to pros- proselytize. Proselytize, yeah. yeah. So anyway, you have to be super careful about it, and it all happens through relationship. And yeah, you know, well, we're talking about people's souls, so you've got plenty of Christians in there, like yeah. going, you know, this is worth us. And, being and that's in like here. 21st century pioneering. You, you hear really about is. all the stories from you know smuggling Bibles into China and things yeah. like that, and, and and that's kind of exactly what's happening now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we flew up basically to the border of China and uh, and Nepal, and worked our way down. And it was cool, and we kind of went village, 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 and I was kind of shooting the, the disaster stuff that that had still been there, and we went to school. We put some tents up for some schools and things like that. But in one of the – this was like the best moment. One of the places that we went to, one of the schools, we built this tent, and we sat down. They often like to just sit and talk, either in kitchens. The kitchens are so cool. They're just like an open fire, and you just sit around. Uh, or they just kind of sit and chat. Anyway, they're all chatting away, and I don't understand a word they're saying. So mm. I'm just like, "Oh, this is so boring." <laughs> what <do you> guys <laughs> say? Like for half an hour, and then the guy I walk with just taps me on the leg, and he's like, "This is incredible! Like this is amazing!" And then he keeps talking. I'm like, "Well, what are you saying? Share something." And he said to me, um, "They know he's a Christian guy." Yeah. And he said to me, "The school has just asked me to help provide a teacher." for them wow he's like you do not understand how big this is because they know i will give them a christian teacher yeah this is and and teachers over there are like the you know kind of community elders yeah it's like this as far as a door for the gospel is huge like this Mm. is unprecedented and he was like on cloud nine and so to be able to kind of witness that exchange and oh man it was cool even if you were sitting there bored wondering what was going on yeah (laughs) exactly yeah i mean witness the exchange it was pretty boring (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's really cool yeah Yeah. so what what other cool things we did while you're in nepal what other things did you see the the work that's being done there yeah so i saw a lot of (laughs) can i tell you about what happened to me i had a bit of an experience up there yeah hit us with that go on okay This is not what you want to happen when you're up there. There's a place called Lukla, which is where you fly. If you're going to hike up um, Everest, yeah. that's where you fly into. It's the world's most dangerous airport. Oh, actually. right. Perfect. It's a cliff on one side, an airport, and then a massive drop-off. <laughs> so you can only <laughs> land in one way. And someone was yeah. like, oh, you know what? Let's put an airport put right an airport. here. Yeah, Perfect. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we flew into that airport. It's very foggy as well. Yeah. And then there's a village, five-minute flight up up the valley called Mende. Mm-hmm. It's up at about 10,000 feet. And what they said is there's a monastery up there mm. that had crumbled down there in a bit of trouble. That's all there is up there, this monastery. They need bags of concrete. Mm-hmm. And so it was six loads of bags of concrete wow. from, from Luka to Mende. Luka, Mende, Luka, Mende. What they said to me is, why don't you go do this one? We'll take you to look, pick up a load of concrete. We'll actually drop you off at Mende, leave you there, and the helicopter can kind of come back and forward. And as the helicopter comes in, you'll be able to get these cool different shots as it yeah. comes yeah. in and goes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's excellent. Yeah. Like, that's kind of gold. And it was. 
So we got up there, uh, look, uh, loaded it up, and we actually got stuck in that airport for a while, but eventually we were able to go. Got up to Mende, and the um, the helicopter's noisy. Noisy as can be. It's crazy yeah. loud. But we land, all these kind of monks, kind of our age, kind of, you know, late 20s, early 30s, mm. run to the aircraft. They're pulling the concrete off the aircraft. I jump out. I'm filming it. And I'm following them, like, kind of up to the dumping ground, running back to the... It's all just very, like, fast-paced, Chaos. loud, yeah, chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. And then the helicopter, they shut him up, and off he goes, and it's quiet, like, <laughs> completely quiet. Dead quiet. And I'm looking at the monks. The monks are looking at me like... <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Why is that guy still here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they left him as well. Like, we just yeah. wanted concrete. We didn't exactly. want this guy. Yeah. You want a redhead up here? Yeah. <laughs> so, and it was like this really weird moment. I'm like, Gee, do you even speak any English? Like, I don't speak whatever you're speaking. Yeah. And, um, oh, do they even speak? <laughs> I wasn't joking. I don't, I don't oh, know. Yeah, no, yeah, well, unless they've had a, you know. They don't chant all the time. Yeah. I don't no, know he was thinking time. of the... the they, they swear themselves to silence and all that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah, I don't Shelling, know. Shelling monks yeah. or something. Yeah, okay. yeah uh, we're going to sound really ignorant. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I think we will. Yeah, I don't mind being. <laughs> we that, always do. I don't mind being that ignorant of. Buddhism. Yeah, no. So, um, so anyway, so oh, we're, we're up yep, there um, on the mountain. The monks, uh, I've become friends with them because I'm there for five hours. Mm. As so we, they did speak English. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty good actually. So anyway, the, the helicopter keeps doing this, and it's got two more loads to go, mm. and then. Where it happens every kind of 20 to 30 minutes. There was a lunch break in the middle there. And on one of them, it's like an hour, an hour and a half, huh. and two hours. And we're like, oh, what's going on? Look down the valley and this like cloud is coming up and just completely engulfs us, like completely engulfs wow. us. So I've, I'm killing time. I probably killed probably in this gap, maybe two or three hours with the guys. We started kind of playing games together, playing cricket. Yeah. We found an old guitar, started oh, cool. jamming out together. I learned some monk dancing. All that <laughs> sort of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, what else do you do? Was, like, was there ever a point where you're like, I don't think they're coming back? Well, <laughs> at this point, because it got to like four o'clock, the light is getting dim. Yeah. And then um, probably the cutoff is about five o'clock and I started getting a little bit anxious. Then. Yeah. I, I could see in the monks, they were getting a little bit anxious too, like... I'm stuck with him. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it was fun for a while, but <laughs> yeah. now we want him to go home. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, five o'clock rolls around, nothing. Oh, wow. I get a phone call. There's mobile reception up there, and it's the pilot. He's like, sorry, I'm not coming. I was oh. like, um, sorry, mate, unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect answer. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, he says, you're just going to have to figure something out for tonight. Oh, my god. I was like, uh, Was it cold? It was getting cold at that point. Yeah. yeah. It was. It's summer over there, but you're very high up. Yeah. In the yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the monks are like, well, want to come and sleep with us for the night? And I was like, yeah, well, not really. Have but- <laughs> <laughs> don't have any yeah, other option. Exactly. So one of the monks kindly got out of his bedroom for me. Oh, and wow. And gave up his bed and he slept with some, some of the other guys and yeah. they cooked me dinner. It was oh, nice wow. enough dinner. Yeah. 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 Um, like, kind of like, um, they deep fried it for me, so it felt more Western, yeah. I think, which was really nice. <laughs> Gave me, um, you know, they said he has blankets and all this sort of stuff if you yeah. want it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I stayed a night in this monastery up that's on the crazy. top of this hill with like... Wow, yeah, that's insane. And I, I bet you were hoping the next morning when you woke up that it was clear as... I know, and it wasn't. Oh. And it took like three <laughs> hours. And the monk said to me, this is the best thing that happened. The monk goes to me, look, it's okay. You can stay another night here. I was like, oh, okay. He goes, well, watch a movie. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, like a, you know, Nepalese? I just goes, assume a martial arts movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes, no, no, we watch Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got the pirate DVD. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. um, I was like, aren't you guys monks, aren't you? He goes, we're yeah. modern monks. Anyway, I'm um, Facebook friends with all these guys now. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. we got Facebook too. They love yeah. Yeah, they're on Facebook. They love a card just like anyone. I've actually seen the video that you put together. Uh, yeah. from your time when you're in Nepal is absolutely insane so we, we sh- we'll get Rich to chuck it up on, yeah. on our uh, link uh, into thanks. our podcast yeah, how, how do we well, find so your can work? check that out because it is yeah. absolutely incredible and it just it sums up what MAF do there and I think you've done a fantastic job so thank people you. should definitely check that out mm. thank you yeah, very can much. you guide us anywhere if, if there are people that want to check it out yeah. your work or just MAF in general yeah. like, well, where would you where would you suggest that we go I've done a few videos for Nepal and you can see those at um, maf.org.au there's yep. a good one on what we're doing in Arnhem Land as well I think. awesome yeah. oh, we'll yeah. chuck we'll chuck the links up to that on our on our podcast as well so if you if you um if you look at the information you'll be able to um check those out but it's uh fantastic stuff thank you man cheers so rich if there's any listeners out there that want to support maf mm. uh, how can they go about doing that yeah so uh, all that kind of information's on our website obviously financial we need money to kind of keep going mm. But you know, often these often people talk about, and it would be great if you could pray for us. They put kind of put it on the end. There, I actually think what's happening day in day out are very kind of high risk, kind of high, you know, yeah. octane mm. moments. You know, lives are hanging in the balance each and every day. Yeah, but I think prayer is extremely important for what we do for the yeah. kind of pilots as they get out there. They battle fatigue, battle these extremely hot, sweaty conditions in these non-air conditioned planes, and mm. so it would be great. To, to just take a second to pray um, for MAF if you're listening like I think we'd you know we'd greatly appreciate that yeah because I mean that's the thing they often have windows of opportunities into areas that are like you mentioned before really dark or that mm. don't have anyone else who has that opportunity to to share Christ's love to them so it's yeah. really essential stuff it is yeah and to have the presence of mind to speak the truth of the gospel in a way that's culturally appropriate but also actually carries a punch with it and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah alright that's Awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Sounds yeah, like, yeah. Sounds so like amazing work that's happening around the world through yeah. MAF. Yeah, yeah, thank you. All right, well, that's another episode of The 421. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to check out any of those videos that Rich has been involved in or the work that MAF is involved in, check out maf.org.au. Otherwise, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.